We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 249 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. We are about to embark on a huge month of NFL draft talk. Obviously, we've been ramping up that type of discussion already here on the Pack-A-Day podcast But over the course of the next month, we're really going to be kicking off things at a much higher level. We're going to be discussing a lot of the top prospects in the draft individually. We'll go position by position. We've got some different groupings coming up, as I mentioned on a previous episode, uh, who will really be focused on NFL draft coverage. We've got uh, a couple people like you know Owen Reese and Russell Brown that are going to be joining us uh, that can specifically speak to the draft. Uh, Ross Uglum is going to be going every single week with his partner, Jay. Morley. Uh, We've just got a lot of upcoming changes that are coming that are really going to give you the best draft coverage possible, specifically for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, we're super excited about that. So uh, get ready for that. We're going to be kicking that off in the very near future. And I'm excited today to kind of be touching base on how the Packers should be attacking the draft by looking at the future. You know, obviously we're all looking for these players that are going to be able to come in and help Green Bay right away. This is a top 15 draft pick that the 
Packers have. And of course, there's going to come expectations with that. And with two uh, first round picks, three top 50 picks, of course, Green Bay is going to be looking for that immediate impact. But what we really have to kind of take a look at is what Green Bay is set up for in the future, what type of roster that they have in 2020 and 2021 and going forward, because we know a lot of these draft picks aren't going to come in and have that immediate impact. And we also know that Green Bay is not going to have a ton of money to spend in free agency, especially in 2020 and in 2021. That's likely to be the case as well. So they need cheap, young talent, high level talent that they have for controllable years that aren't going to be wanting a huge contract right away uh, to come in and supplement that because again, they're not going to have a ton of money to spend. So that's what I'm really going to be taking a look at in, in a deeper dive today and taking a look at what positions are really of need after 2019. And again, I know we're all focused on 2019. This is a huge year for Green Bay. And, and of course, the clock with Aaron Rodgers is constantly ticking down and all of us want a very successful uh, 2019, hopefully going into a playoff run into the 2020 year. But this is a really an important thing to look at because there are some serious roster holes that start to develop coming out past this year. So want to take a look at that. This is something, of course, that Ted Thompson was always cognizant of. I know some people were frustrated because he didn't ever really seem to have those win now type of moments. We've seen a little bit more, a lot, a bit more of aggressiveness from Brian Gutekunst and trying to win things now, which I think for the most part is a good thing. But, you know, Ted Thompson, of course, drafted a Jason Spriggs so that he could come in and eventually be that replacement for Brian Bulaga. Of course, that hasn't, you know, taken shape and taken form because of Jason Spriggs' plan on the field, but uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins were drafted ahead of time, hoping for the you know upcoming departures uh, that they could fill in for those upcoming departures of Sam Shields and Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, etc. Of course, we kind of know how that turned out as well. Josh Jones was drafted ahead of time so that they could move on from Morgan Burnett. Again, a lot of those did not work out as expected, uh, but that was kind of his goal was to take these uh, high-end players who could fill in so that they wouldn't have to give some of these bigger contracts. Uh, to the the players that were getting a little bit older on the team or maybe would demand more than what Green Bay was willing to spend. Again, didn't unfortunately work out the way that they wanted it to, but the the strategy in and of itself was was sound. So that's why I think, again, it's so important to take a look at the upcoming roster today. It's also, I think, sometimes foolhardy to just expect that Green Bay is going to take all of these top picks and they're immediately going to come in and contribute at a high level. We've seen players over the years, take Clay Matthews, for example, you know, really nice player his rookie year, but nowhere near the player that he was going to become in subsequent years after that. I think the same can obviously be said for a Jordy Nelson, a Devontae Adams. Um, you know, there, there are multiple players like this throughout the course of Green Bay's recent history. Even, heck, Aaron Rodgers is a great example of this. Um, Kenny Clark, really nice first year, but, but certainly nothing like he was uh, in his sophomore and junior campaigns. So, this is a, a an exercise in taking a look that not all of these players are going to come in immediately in their rookie season and have the impact that we would ideally hope them to ha- you know hope that they would have. 
Uh, you take a look just back at last year's draft class, right? So Jair Alexander was able to come in and compete at a pretty high level uh, from the word go. So that hopefully can be the case with the Packers' first-round pick again this year, at least their first one. But if you look at kind of the rest of that draft class, Josh Jackson certainly did not come in and perform at a high level immediately, even though he was a top 50 pick. Their third and fourth round picks, Oren Burks, Jamon Moore, again, basically redshirt seasons a season ago. Uh, MVS and EQ, uh, certainly contributors a season ago. They held their own, but you could also see that they were thinking when they were out on the field. They were not uh, anywhere near uh, experts in their craft, and ideally you probably would have been able to redshirt them last season. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, Uh, but they, again, held their own. I think that's usually the exception to the rule, Uh, certainly when you get into the fifth and sixth round at the receiver position especially, but they did all right. Um, Looney and Donerson, uh, you know, two high-end athletic prospects that they took at the end of the draft. Uh, you know, they were not ready to come in and play right away. Of course, Cole Madison was on the reserve list. And then you had J.K. Scott and Hunter Bradley, who had up and down years as as specialists. And I think probably the goal will not be to take long snappers and punters again this year. So really, it was one out of all of their picks, Jair Alexander, that was ready to come in and have an immediate impact and kind of have that starting type role and mentality from day one. And I'm, again, hoping that Green Bay has that, uh, you know, New Orleans Saints type draft like they had a couple seasons ago where they got Ryan Ramchek, uh, of course, and they've got Alvin Kamara, they got uh, Marcus Williams, and then, of course, Lattimore as well at cornerback. Uh, Everyone's hoping that Green Bay can have that type of draft where they get all of those top end players and they're able to plug them in and have success right away. Uh, But usually that's not the case. And I think sometimes it's a little bit foolhardy to expect that type of impact from day one. So with that in mind, I want to take a look at especially how the roster is set up for 2020, but also how it's kind of set up a little bit going forward and what positions Green Bay should be targeting so that they don't have uh, some real big holes in the roster going into 2020 and 2021. So without further ado, let's go position by position and just take a look at where some of these needs might be. Starting at quarterback, this one might be the easiest to discuss of all of the positions because really there's not a change in the roster in 2020. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is still under contract. Deshaun Kaiser is still in the last year of his rookie deal. And Tim Boyle's on a really cheap uh, contract as well at 662000 going into the 2020 season. So there's not really a change here. You have two young, talented quarterbacks who we don't know what they're going to be yet at this point. And of course, you have Aaron Rodgers as the guy at the top of the roster. Whether or not Green Bay addresses this position in the draft in 2019 remains to be seen. I think it's probably somewhat unlikely, you know, especially at the top of the draft. I've had the discussion where I think Green Bay could be in the market for a Josh Rosen. That's a totally another topic for a totally different podcast and don't want to jump into it here. But I think if you look at the talent in this draft, there's a handful of quarterbacks at most that I think have the developmental ability of what a Deshaun Kaiser or Tim Boyle would have. Um, Certainly the guys at the top of the draft that you know already, uh, you know, Haskins and Locke and Murray, uh, 
you know, then you've got, you know, Will Greer, and I really like Rippon, and I really like Easton Stick as well as a potential player. But when you start looking at players who could be drafted in this draft where Green Bay would think about selecting them, their upside's not really higher than what Deshaun Kaiser or even kind of Tim Boyles would be. So they're probably not going into this draft looking to upgrade the quarterback position. And I think that's probably going to be the same heading into 2020 since all three of these quarterbacks are under contract should they all remain on the team uh, and make the 53-man roster this season. That brings us to running back. So 2020, three running backs are on the roster, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Malcolm Johnson. You've got two uh, exclusive right free agents in Trey Carson and LeVon Coleman, and you have two unrestricted free agents in Capri Bibbs and Danny Vitale. So Uh, Most of these names don't matter. They're probably not going to make the 53-man roster anyway. The names that matter, of course, are Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who both will have potentially really cheap contracts going into 2020. They both could hit uh, the the bonus threshold for how many snaps that they played. Uh, So both of them could bump up to about that $2 million mark rather than about the 800,000 mark that they're at currently. That's not really a huge issue for either of those players. Both of them would easily be worth 2 million going into next year. But looking a little bit further in 2021, you don't have any running backs that are currently under contract on the roster. So uh, some good young talent specifically with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but you probably want to start building a little bit more depth there. And I think probably the way that you do that is the way that you should always look at gaining running backs and what Ted Thompson did a great job of in his last year. Take a bunch of guys on day three of the draft. And I know Jamal Williams was a little bit before that end of day two, but take take three guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, and then add a guy in undrafted free agency because you can find running backs anywhere and just try to hit on one of them like you did with Aaron Jones especially. So uh, I would definitely be looking to add a couple running backs in the fifth or sixth, seventh round. And uh, again, hope that you hit kind of gold because that's certainly a position that you can do that with. Ross Uglum had a really great article on Cheesehead TV this week uh, about some of the positions and where you can get them. And of course, running back is, is towards the bottom. I believe it's actually the last position where you can find really great running backs all throughout the draft. And uh, I think that's the strategy that Green Bay should take again this year. Wide receiver, of course, is one of these super interesting positions uh, that we've all kind of been discussing throughout this offseason. It's really interesting because, of course, you've got your alpha in Devontae Adams, uh, who is a top receiver in this league. You then have, you know, Geronimo Allison, who kind of is more of that number three receiver. You've got all of your developmental guys in MVS, EQ, Jamon Moore. You've got some, you know, under the radar type guys in Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard, Trevor Davis, and then you've got your guy that's probably not going to make the roster in T.O. Redding. But uh, all of those guys are really intriguing options for this coming season. When you look at 2020, uh, Devontae still well under contract. MVS, EQ, and Jamon Moore will just be in the third year of their rookie deals. So they're on really cheap years yet on their deal. Uh, Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard, and Tio Redding would all be exclusive rights free agents if they're still on the on the team. And then Geronimo and Trevor Davis would both be unrestricted free agents going into next offseason. So you've got Devante, the three rookies, and then not really a, a ton else at that point. So much like this year, what they feel about the this draft and wide receiver is going to hedge a ton on how they feel about those three young receivers, including MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, and Jamon Moore. If they have really high hopes for those three, 
wide receiver is probably not a top target for them. But if they have some trepidation, if they are worried about Devontae Adams' concussion history, if they're not sold on the the total depth of the roster, they don't think that Geronimo Allison is a long-term option, even if they were to sign him to a longer-term deal, then they're going to be probably targeting receiver early. And I think they're probably at the point right now where if there's a receiver that they love that's staring them in the face at any point in the draft, and specifically probably at 30 and 44, whether it be an A.J. Brown, a Hakeem Butler, uh, Nikhil Harry, if if they're in love with one of those guys, a Hollywood Brown, they're probably going to seriously consider taking them because there's potentially that hole still at that number two receiver behind Devontae Adams. And again, if they're not super sold that MVS or EQ or Jamon are going to be able to fill that role by 2020, they probably want to address it now so that that player is ready uh, to really step up. And this is a, a Ted Thompson uh, philosophy. They, they kept grabbing great receivers, even though they consistently had great receivers on the roster. Uh, this is a position they always wanted to be really good at. It's a position that's always of need. And uh, if they can go out and, heck, if they hit on one of those receivers, let's say they take an A.J. Brown at 30 and they, they hit on him, if all of a sudden MVS and EQ or Jamon Moore develop the way that they would hope anyway, great, awesome. Maybe you can have one of those really deep receiving cores like they did in their Super Bowl season. So I definitely think receiver's a position that they could be addressing. Can they get by in the next couple years with the receivers they have on the roster? Potentially. So it's not a huge need, but certainly something that they wouldn't turn down if the right opportunity presented itself. Tight end. So another super interesting position to take a look at. When you look at this roster from a 2020 standpoint, Jimmy Graham is on a contract that you would ideally like to get out of. Uh, He's on an $11.7 million contract next year, and you can basically get rid of $8 million of that by moving on from Jimmy Graham. So that's a, a deal you'd ideally like to get out of next year, especially if he played like he did a season ago. If he has a breakout year this year and everything clicks in a new offense with Matt LaFleur, and he's that big receiving threat that they thought he could be, yeah, then 11.7 is probably not too bad, but you don't want to bank on that. And then after that, there are zero tight ends under contract in 2020. And if you look at Jimmy Graham as more of a big receiver and not a true tight end, then even if you keep him going into next year, there are zero true tight ends going into 2020. You do have Robert Tanyan and Evan Bayless, who would be exclusive rights free agents. Those are basically option years for the Packers. So you can basically count them on the roster if you want them. Evan Bayless isn't making the team this year in all likelihood. So that would bring us really to Robert Tanyan. Does he have a ton of potential? Yes. Do I love Robert Tanyan? Yes. Do I think he has the opportunity to break out? Yes. Would I count on it? No. Would I make any draft decisions in 2019 based off of Robert Tanyan? Absolutely not. So this is a position that you have to address at some point in this draft, and probably the earlier the better. Maybe not at pick 12, probably not at pick 12, but if they are in love with TJ Hawkinson or if they are in love with Noah Fant, then I wouldn't necessarily rule that out at any point in the draft either. This is a really big position within the offense and definitely a position that they could address uh, very, very quickly in the draft because it's such a position of need. So uh, again, no real players under contract, under true contract at the tight end position in 2020 if they want to move on from Jimmy Graham. So certainly a position to keep an eye on. 
Offensive line is the next one and another really intriguing position. And you kind of have to look at this position as a whole. So under contract, under true contract, is only five offensive linemen. At tackle, you would potentially have David Bakhtiari in the last year of his deal, Billy Turner, who is going to be that swing player who could play all across the line. But as of right now, he's the only other player that could potentially play tackle that's actually under contract for 2020. So right now, you would pencil in David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Billy Turner at right tackle. At guard, you have Lane Taylor at left guard. You would have potentially Alex Light left on a contract at right guard, who of all the players that we've named that I've said they're probably not maybe going to make the roster and you wouldn't make a decision based off of anyway, you're not making draft decisions based off of Alex Light. But penciling in Alex Light as a potential starter at right guard or left guard in 2020 may not sound or may not be quite as crazy as it may sound. So I really like Alex Light. That's probably, again, another discussion for another day. Uh, but that may not be too crazy to think of, but certainly wouldn't bank on it by any stretch of the imagination. And then you've got Corey Lindsley, who would also be in the last year of his deal. So Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, and Alex Light, all in the last year of their deals in 2020, and then Billy Turner, who would have three years left. That's it, five guys. Now, some really other interesting notes here. Lane Taylor is a contract you could potentially get out of in 2020. You would save about $4.7 million off of his almost $6 million deal in 2020 by releasing him next year. So that could be an option. Also, while less likely, Corey Lindsley is set to make $10.5 million next year, and you could save $8.5 million by getting out of that deal. So while I believe Corey Lindsley especially will be on the roster not only next year, but probably into the future as well, let's say a Garrett Bradbury is looking you in the face at pick 30. That's looking less likely. It looks like he's probably going to go top 30 and, and not be there at that point. But let's say all of a sudden he does fall to pick 30. I know a lot of people are really against taking a player that's not going to help you in 2019. But I think there is the potential that he could fill in or even start at guard. I think it's kind of a waste just because he's such a natural center, and that's really the position he should be playing. Uh, But I don't think that's out of the question that he could start at guard. And I do think it gives you injury coverage. Right now, if Corey Lindsley were to go down and tear his ACL, it's really only Lucas Patrick that's on the roster in 2019. So going from Patrick to Garrett Bradbury would be a massive upgrade. And then you could potentially get out of that Corey Lindsley contract next year and again, save $8.5 million by doing so, which would allow you to address other needs. And as we know that the you know money is going to be tight going into the next couple of years. So I do think that that is not out of the realm of possibility if they really were to fall in love with a, a Garrett Bradbury or another center early in the draft or maybe even in the second, third, or fourth round. I think that could be an option. And then if you look at guard, um, they do have a lot of options that would be you know, exclusive right free agents and restricted free agents going into next year as well. You've got Nico Saragusa, Gerhard DeBeer, and Anthony Coyle, who would all be exclusive rights free agents if they made the team. And then Justin McRae, Lucas Patrick, and Adam Pankey, all as restricted free agents if, again, they made the team this year. So you would have some option years basically for those type of players. But Brian Bulaga and Jason Spriggs would no longer be under contract. They'd be unrestricted free agents. And let's be honest here. we, you know, Green Bay probably wants to move on from Brian Bulaga and not give him a new deal. 
Billy Turner, they would probably like to be more of a flex player. And uh, again, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor are potentially contracts you can get out of. David Bakhtiari is in the last year of his deal. So long story short here, look for Green Bay to attack that offensive line position early and often in the draft. Because when you start looking at the future of this team, really only Billy Turner is signed long-term at this point. He's the only player on the entire offensive line that signed into 2021. And while Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari are pretty good bets, especially David Bakhtiari, almost a sure bet to get extensions on their contract, starting to build this offensive lineup and give Aaron Rodgers that protection that he needs, especially as he progresses further in his career and some of that mobility breaks down and he, you know, Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff wants him to be more of a, a quick strike pocket passer. Developing those interior line positions especially is going to be very, very important. So look for Green Bay to attack those, not only for this season, but especially based on what they have going into future years. All right, moving to defensive line. I think this is a position on the surface, at least especially for me that I've kind of been talking about, is not a major need going into this year because of the depth that they have on the team. I feel incredibly comfortable in 2019 with Kenny Clark, Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry, and then two uh, potential guys that I really like in James Looney and Fadol Brown. Uh, I think both of them have a lot of potential that could break out if they develop and make a, a second year jump. So really like a lot of what's available there on the defensive line in 2019. But when you get to 2020, it looks a lot more bare. You've got Kenny Clark on the last year of his deal, Montrevious Adams on the last year of his deal, two nobodies in Deion Simon and Eric Cotton that are technically under contract who probably aren't going to make the 53 this year. And then you've got Fadol Brown, Tyler Lancaster, and James Looney as exclusive rights free agents with Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry as unrestricted free agents. So if you're getting to the point where, again, salary cap is tight, you don't want to give big deals to Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry, you're going to give a huge contract to Kenny Clark. I don't think there's much question about that at all. You now have Kenny Clark, Montrevious Adams, and probably you know Tyler Lancaster coming back on a super cheap deal, maybe Fadol Brown or, or James Looney on super cheap contracts, but there's... There's not a lot of depth there after Kenny Clark and maybe Adams or Lancaster if, if they would continue their upward trend from the end of a, end of last season. But I think this is a position that if they want to be able to move on from Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry could easily be addressed. Maybe uh, you know Ed Oliver at pick 12, for example. I think this is easily a place where that could be addressed and uh, and be able to move on from some of those players moving forward. And again, Nobody is under contract in 2021 on the defensive line at the moment. So having cheap depth uh, on this team this year and moldable players that you can hope step up into a starting role next year and into 2021, again, is going to be very important here. So uh, definitely another position that they could absolutely address. Edge rusher. So, of course, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith signed two long-term deals. Uh, they're definitely going to be on the, the roster in 2020, if not well beyond that. So that's not necessarily a huge position of need, but... After those two, you don't have anyone under contract. You've got Kendall Donerson and Reggie Gilbert, who would be exclusive rights free agents. So again, basically option years. And then Kyler Fackrell, who would be an unrestricted free agent. 
But this is a position you want to start building some homegrown depth at and having hopefully some players who can can spell Zadarius and Preston. As we've talked about in the past, Zadarius is going to play a lot inside on passing down. So having that other edge rusher going forward would be something that would be very helpful you probably don't want to get into a bidding war with Kyler Fackrell. He's probably best suited as that rotational number three edge rusher. So again, a player that they could absolutely use some additional talent in going forward. And when you really look at it, the odds that Zadarius and Preston both live up to expectations and that you're both happy with those contracts into 2021 and 2022 is probably not super likely. You would love to get out of those contracts at some point because you've developed some really great homegrown talent uh, by using the draft effectively. So if a Brian Burns is there at 12, that should absolutely be an option. Same with Montez Sweat. And, And again, you may not like one of these players specifically. My my point here is that edge can absolutely still be an area of need as you look at this team going forward. And again, especially with the idea in mind that Zadarius is going to play a lot on the inside. Inside linebacker might be one of the positions that doesn't get talked about quite enough. And uh, of course, if if Blake Martinez is a guy that they're going to sign to a long-term deal, then it becomes much less of an issue and if if Josh Jones is somebody that they uh, you know transition to that inside linebacker role then you know maybe it's not quite as much of an issue but at the moment in 2020 only Oren Burks and James Crawford are under contract and Brady Sheldon another kind of no-name player on the roster at the moment is would be an exclusive rights free agent and then Blake Martinez an unrestricted free agent so uh, a position that doesn't have a ton of depth and unless they're expecting a massive Oren Burks breakout this is still a big position of need even this year but especially in years after so if they don't if they don't want to give Blake Martinez a, a big deal and he's already talked about wanting to be a pretty highly paid inside linebacker then this is, again, a a position that can absolutely be addressed and should be addressed uh, without question or early in the draft if a player is there. So I'm not quite as high on Devin Bush as, as some are, and I really like Devin White's potential, but one, he's probably not going to be there. I, I'm well aware of uh, you know how a lot of people view him. But even at 12, he'd probably be a little rich for me, um, even with all of the uh, talent that he brings to the table. But uh, again, this is a position of need. It's a position that they need to address. And if they were to pick Devin Bush or Devin White, it would take all of about 13 milliseconds for me uh, to be okay with that pick because of just how much of a need it is and just the type of athletic ability both of those players bring to the table. So again, as we've basically gone down this list, another position that can't be ignored. Cornerback is a position that has a little bit more young depth and talent, but I don't think Green Bay knows exactly what they have yet in in these players. Jai Alexander is, again, he, he's got to be great. If, if Jai Alexander is a player that all of a sudden has a sophomore slump and just never recovers or goes on a, a downward trend, kind of like Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins did after their rookie seasons, then this is going to be a major issue. And, uh, you know, you can kind of say the same thing about Kevin King. Green Bay really needs Jair and, and King to both stay healthy and both be very, very successful. 
Now, they'll both be under contract in 2020. Jair Alexander's under, you know, cheap money, less than $4 million, uh, this year, next year, and the following year. So uh, again, that's why it's so important that he's a successful player for this team. And by all means, it looks like he's going to be. Uh, Kevin King would still be on his rookie rookie deal in 2020. Um, Josh Jackson still has three years left under his rookie contract. So lots, lots to like there about young, cheap talent. Uh, but Jair Alexander, while all uh, you know, all signs pointed to him being a, a phenomenal player, did have a little bit of a drop off, and of course, some injuries. Kevin King, of course, has not had the healthy, sustained play that Green Bay would have hoped to have had at this point in his career. And Josh Jackson really had some struggles. He did show some improvement end of the year, but he definitely struggled as a whole in 2019, excuse me, in 2018. So not exactly sure what Green Bay has here, but they definitely have young, cheap, moldable talent. And that's a great start. Not certainly something that, as we've talked about so far, Green Bay has at all the other positions. So the fact they have it here is, is again, a nice sign. And then you've also got Natrell Jamerson. Uh, that's on cheap, controllable years for the next three years. Uh, Will Redman and Tony Brown would both be exclusive rights-free agents in 2020. And then Tremont Williams, since they're now viewing him as a corner, uh, would be an unrestricted free agent going into next season and certainly somebody at that point that they would hope to be able to move on from. So again, Jair, King, Jackson, Jamerson, all under contract in 2020 with Will Redman and Tony Brown being exclusive rights-free agents. Would the current roster, you know, deter them from taking a, a corner in the top couple of rounds? I, I don't think that it would. Um, I think ideally you're probably adding somebody maybe more from the third, fourth, maybe fifth round at this position and uh, maybe looking next year at this position a little bit more if Jackson and Brown and King don't turn out the way maybe Green Bay hopes that they will. But I think they're okay here at the moment. And uh, especially again in 2019, if Tremont's moving back to corner, they should have plenty of depth and again, plenty of talent. They just really need to coach and develop the talent that's on the team. And if if either Tony Brown or Josh Jackson can really develop and King and Alexander can be what they're expected to be, this should be a pretty good unit for the foreseeable future. That brings us to safety. Of course, they just gave a, a big contract to Adrian Amos. He's, of course, going to be on the roster the next couple of years at minimum. Josh Jones still has two uh, of his rookie years left, again, this year and going into 2020. Raven Green, another player who, again, when I asked Tim Boyle, who the player who might be under the radar, who's going to potentially break out in, in 2019, his immediate answer was Raven Green. So there could potentially be some hope there. He's got two really cheap years left on his deal. And then you've got Trey Matthews and Jason Thompson, two players who are not likely to make the roster, who will be exclusive rights-free agents in 2020. So some options here, some talent here, but as we all know, this is a position that Green Bay would really love to address early in the draft, pair somebody like Adderley or Thornhill with Adrian Amos this year, hopefully move Josh Jones back into that linebacker position, or at least a, a sub-down player that's playing in the box uh, we've already discussed Tremont Williams. They want to move to corner. So there's definitely some immediate need at this position, but they could also use some long-term help as well. And uh, again, whether it be a, a Thornhill or a Nasir Adderley, uh, there's a lot of different options that they could go with early in the draft. Those are two players that I really like and I think would fit in really well, uh, but they could easily use some some talent both for this year and going forward. And last but not least, that brings us to special teams. Mason Crosby, this is the last year of his deal. 
And it would not shock me at all if there was a kicker that they really liked, if they brought him in to compete with Mason Crosby in camp this year. And then uh, if he beats him out, great. If he doesn't, you maybe lose a sixth or seventh round pick. No big deal. Um, But if not, uh, then I would expect them to address it either in free agency or maybe in the draft next year. Um, But they, they addressed kicker and punter last year in the draft, as we all know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to get younger and cheaper and, and maybe take a look at somebody there this year as well. Um, whether that happens remains to be seen, and I think they're probably smarter to go into 2019 with Mason Crosby on their roster, but would not would not shock me in any uh, stretch of the imagination if they brought somebody in to compete. I will go as far to say is whether they draft somebody or sign somebody as an undrafted free agent, I 100% believe that Mason Crosby will have competition in camp. I think after the year he had last year, uh, if one, he, he deserves competition. I don't think you can just hand him that that spot. And two, if somebody comes in, whether it's an undrafted free agent uh, or whether it's a, a draft pick, if you bring somebody in and he, he kicks lights out in camp, uh, then you absolutely should look to move on from Mason Crosby. There's solid cap savings there. And again, he, this is probably the last year for Crosby um, at least hopefully, because again, you don't want to have uh, Mason Crosby go into the, the very latter stages of career, his career under a big contract and not being exactly sure what you have. So I uh, would definitely expect them to address that in some way, shape or form, whether it be late draft pick or undrafted free agent. Punter or long snapper, I can't see them drafting somebody here, uh, but uh, wouldn't shock me if there was somebody they really liked as an undrafted free agent, if they brought in somebody as competition, uh, but it's certainly not something that they're going to draft in back-to-back years. So that really brings us to the the team as a whole and kind of looking at it from a, a wide view. Really almost every position is something that when you start looking at 2020, it has some need. Uh, you know, quarterback we mentioned probably not quite as quickly and you can probably get away at running back and you're hoping that your corners develop. You've got a couple top end edge rushers, but when you start looking at where where the holes are, there's there's opportunities at almost every position. And I guess if you were going into this podcast expecting me to label two or three positions that are maybe more important than others, I'm I'm not sure that there really are two or three that Green Bay has to focus on. If you're of the belief that like I am that you probably shouldn't bank on these players coming in and having a massive impact in year one, then you're looking at 2020 and beyond as as the positions that you really, really need. And again, outside of quarterback and probably punter and long snapper, you don't have a ton of need. You have a lot of needs that could still be addressed, but uh, again, even edge rushers, Zadarius Smith, you want to play inside. Uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are now high-paid players in their second year, year second contract. So uh, a lot of holes, uh, a lot of ability to fill in with cheap young players that hopefully are super talented and, and can be on this team for the long haul. This is a team that needs to hit in this draft. There's, there's no two ways about it. I think when you start looking at this roster long-term, I, I want to go through really quick and tell you exactly the players that in 2021, so two years from now, that are still on this team. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, MVS, EQ, and Jamon, Billy Turner, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Oren Burks, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Natrell Jamerson, Adrian Amos, J.K. Scott, and Hunter Bradley. That's it. Those are the players that are currently under contract 
in 2021. And by the way, uh, you know, Devontae Adams is then in the last year of his deal, as are all of those rookie receivers. Billy Turner, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith, all contracts, as well as Adrian Amos, all contracts that you'd probably like to get out of at that point, um, especially if they're not performing up to the way that they were expected to be. So lots and lots and lots of holes on this roster long-term that will need to be addressed. And again, goes without saying that's why this draft is important, not just for 2019, not just for this season. This should not be a singular season approach. I, I hope today that I was able to address some of those long-term needs and some of those long-term concerns. And I think that's, again, why it's so important not to just get focused in and have tunnel vision on the 2019 season and where Green Bay should attack just in 2019. This is a long-term approach. You signed players like Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner so that you can fill in some of those gaps and that you don't just have to draft for need in 2019. Had they not done that, Really, safety and edge rusher were positions that they couldn't field a successful team in any way, shape, or form in 2019 without addressing it in some capacity. So by doing that in free agency, it should free them up to address what they feel is the best available player in the draft at any position, probably outside of quarterback. Um, And I think that's exactly what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. And with the idea that hopefully these top 50 picks especially can come in and have an impact right away if if the scouting team and if, if Brian Gutekunst is, is able to hit the way that they're hopeful that they're going to be able to hit, then hopefully, again, these players can come in and, and address some depth and address some areas of need right away. But again, these picks should be used with 2020 and 2021 in mind. That does it for me today. Thanks so much for joining and listening in. I always appreciate it. Make sure to catch us tomorrow for episode 250. If you haven't already, make sure to get your copy of the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, where you will find my full rankings for both wide receiver and quarterback. And uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Go like and follow us uh, on whatever podcast station that you listen to us on, now, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Make sure to comment and subscribe if you have not already. Thanks so much again for listening today, and as always, and until next time, Go Pack Go! One kick away from the NFC Championship game, from the 41, left pass spot, 51 yard, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick, to the upright, and it is right to Harris! It is good, and the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game! And what a happy bunch of Green Bay Packers! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.